Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Bush Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Sheila Arnold-Jones finds unexpected friendship forged in forgiveness. When I was in third grade, I integrated my elementary school. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Okay, it wasn't as big a deal as it sounds. I, my parents, my father uh, was in the military, and so my family had traveled all over the world by that time. And when we came back to Northern Virginia to live, so my father could work at the Pentagon, my parents decided it would be a great thing if they would move onto the middle of the street that had never had a black family before. They didn't move to the top of the street, not to the bottom of the street, but dead center. So you couldn't miss us no matter how you came on that street. We were right there. And my parents decided that I would go to Masonville Elementary School right there in Annandale, Virginia. Everybody that was right beside us, my parents were good enough to move between someone that was Jewish on one side and someone that was Catholic and a very big liberal who worked at the Washington Post on the other side. And those two families decided their children need to go to the already desegregated, integrated school of Annandale Elementary School. And they assumed that my parents were going to send me there as well. But that's not where we were districted for. And my parents couldn't find any reason why I didn't need to go down to Maceville Elementary School. And so, at third grade, I integrated Maceville Elementary School. And when I say I, I mean I. I was all that they were going to get. That small speck in the milk right there was what they were going to get. Now, this really wasn't difficult for me. I'd been brought up in uh, DOD schools, Department of Defense schools, and I'd been around all kinds of kids, so it was no big deal in my eyes. And we didn't have those awful things where people were yelling and screaming and protesters and police officers. I had none of that. I went to school, and we all seemed to get along pretty good. As a matter of fact, I don't remember anything intensely at all, except for the second half of the school year with my teacher, Mrs. Matthews. We had a spelling bee, and I won the spelling bee in my classroom, which meant that I got to go on the stage with all the others that won the spelling bee in their classroom. But Miss Matthews looked at me and said, I don't think someone like you should be on the stage with the other students. I couldn't understand. I had won that. And I went home and I told my mom, and I was so sad. Now, I can honestly tell you, I do not have any idea what my parents did. But I do know that Miss Matthews was not there the next year. <laughs> In fourth grade, I was still integrating the school by myself. We had not improved on this at all. For half a day, my sister would come in and there'd be half a day worth of two of us integrating the school. But in fourth grade, we all got along so great. We loved hanging out with each other. Now, we all liked each other so much 
that we thought, we, we didn't say harsh things about each other. I don't know what kind of fourth graders we were, or just my opinion of what I was like in fourth grade is really good. And we all liked each other so much that we didn't talk about each other except for one person, Noel. Noel just wasn't like the rest of us. Mm -mm. Noel, her pants would sometimes be too short. High orders, we'd call them. Mm -hmm. Her jackets would sometimes be too tight. And she, she did not have a lunch box. She had a lunch bag. She wasn't like the rest of us. And so we talked about her. And I was one of the ones that did that as well. The other thing about fourth grade was that was the year we all decided we should have nicknames. And I thought this was a jolly good idea. I don't think I used jolly good at that time, but yes, it was a good idea. And I wanted to have my nickname, and I couldn't wait to get a nickname because somebody had to tell you what your nickname was. Well, one day, Jimmy came in, and Jimmy was one of my friends, and he said, Sheila, I have your nickname for you. He said, I'll tell you at, at, at recess. I said, great, I can't wait. And so at recess, went outside, and, and after a while, Jimmy gathered everybody. We left the four squares. Anybody remember playing four squares? We left the tetherball. I don't think children have tetherball anymore. And we are all in the monkey bars. And he called everybody together and he gathered everybody together and said, Sheila, your nickname is nigga. And I said, yeah. Because I had no idea what that meant. Neither did anybody else in the class. So we all thought it was great. That was my nickname. I went home that afternoon, and I was so excited because I couldn't wait to tell my mom my new nickname. I said, Mom, I have a new nickname. She said, oh, good. She knew I'd been waiting for this. Oh, good. What is it? It's nigga. Ugh. And then she told me what it meant. And she told me it meant that you were you were worth less than the dirt underneath someone's shoe. And that hurt me. This was Jimmy. He was my friend. Why would he, why would he say that about me? I have to give my parents props. They didn't just intervene at that moment. They let children handle a situation. I went to school the next day. The next day, Jimmy told me that he'd like to call me the nickname again at recess. And so, that next day at recess, he gathered everybody around. But this time, two things had changed. One, I knew what the word meant. And two, Jimmy had gone home and told his family who had taught him the word what my response was, and they had told him that was not the response he was supposed to get, that it was a word that was meant to hurt. So Jimmy knew what it meant too. He gathered all of our friends around us and he said, Sheila, your nickname is nigger. 
And everybody laughed because they didn't know what it meant. But I ran from that group and they were fourth graders. They didn't know how to respond to that. I ran from the group down the sidewalk into the side door that would lead us into the bathroom that we could use when it was recess. And I went into that bathroom and I closed myself in a stall and I I yelled out, no one will ever be my friend. No one will ever be my friend. But then I heard her. I'll be your friend, Sheila. It was Noel, the very one that I had teased and joked on and called names, was the one who came and was my friend. Time went on. Kids get over it and move. And eventually my father got orders and we moved to Germany when I was in the beginning of my fifth grade year. We came back to Annandale, Virginia in my eighth grade year. And by that time, things had really changed. You probably don't remember fourth grade to eighth grade. Most of us don't want to remember eighth grade at all. But eighth grade was that time where everybody was trying to find out where they belonged before they hit high school. So everybody was trying to find their own groups. They weren't, we weren't all friends anymore, and there were more students there. And so at Poe uh, Middle School, Junior High School, sorry, Poe Junior High School, uh, I walked in, and people were trying to find their way. There were those who were the jocks. Those were the, the athletes. There were the brainiacs, the really smart kids. There were the popular folks, usually cheerleaders, and additional folk. And then there were the freaks. That's what we called them. They had started smoking cigarettes and beer and every now and then a little weed along the way. I tried to figure out which group I belonged to and I didn't have a group. So I was friends with everybody. At the beginning of that eighth grade year, uh, we were allowed to run for student, they would ask people to run for student body uh, officers. And I can't see you, but is anybody in here, you can just tell me by yelling, anybody in here ever run for student body officer in your school? All right. And you remember how fun that was, right? Is <laughs> people, no, that's not the, it was not the response, okay? I heard that part real clearly. <laughs> I decided it would be great that I would run for secretary of my class. I was so excited. And then Kim Morset ran the most popular girl in the entire school. But another person running was somebody else who was trying to find his place, Jimmy. Guys, I lived in a time when I was young that parents didn't get divorced, or it was very rare. So when when your own parents saw other parents get divorced, they would say things like, be careful of that child. They come from a broken home, a bad family. Jimmy's parents had divorced. He was from that broken home, that bad family. And Jimmy had already begun to, he was already caught smoking beer at least once, and he was a regular smoker of cigarettes. 
he was going down a bad path. But Jimmy decided it didn't have to be his path. So he ran for president of the eighth grade. Okay, set the scene. You walk into the gym, you have the bleachers down, everybody's filling the bleachers. Are you with me? Okay, very good. Yeah, you have to talk to me. This is what, the storytelling is a communal thing, all right? So you're with me? All right, very good. And then we're all sitting up front in our chairs, in our hardback chairs, and we all have our index cards prepared. They start with the treasurers who do their thing. Then it's my turn. Hi, my name is Sheila Arnold, and I am running for secretary of the eighth grade class. You should vote for me because of blah, 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 blah. Vote for me. It will be a vote well worth it. Thank you. And the crowd went. And I sat down. Kim Morset stood up. Kim, 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 yay! Kim, you go, girl, you go, girl. She hadn't even spoken up yet. She got up there and said her, whatever. And then they all went, oh, Kim, you rock, you rock. Hey, Kim, Kim, you're ours. We're voting for you, Kim. Vote for Kim. Yeah, whatever. And she finally sat down. Then this vice presidents, and then the presidents. The first to get up was Jimmy. Now, Jimmy, he looked sharp. He had on some nice black slacks, a nice white shirt, a tie. And his hair slicked back. And he got up there with his index cards. And before he could say a word, everyone booed him. And I watched how his face fell. And I knew that feeling. I understood it. And I don't know what got into me, but at that moment, I stood up and I said, stop. Stop. Jimmy has as much right to speak as anyone else here. Stop. Stop it. And everyone stopped for 30 seconds. And then they booed me. But I didn't care. Because I saw the look on Jimmy's face. And I remembered that look of a friend. I did not win for treasurer. Jimmy did not win for president. But we won a friendship. Generally, I stop the story there. But they give me a couple extra moments on this stage. So we finish high school. And high school was not the thing I wanted to ever repeat again. <laughs> Once I left high school, I tried everything in my power to cut myself off from anything that reminded me. I went to school in a different state. I was absolutely mortified when someone appeared at my school a year later that I knew. I tried so hard just to be different. Not that I was a horrible person in in high school, I just didn't like what I was becoming. And so, I didn't go to my 
homecomings and my, my reunions for school until I began to be hit with the fact that I had cut out a lot of portions of my life from fear and from dread and from not wanting people to know who I was. Around that time coming my 30th high school reunion. And God in his great goodness decided that would be a perfect time for me to break out of everything I'd been feeling for 30 years. I wasn't so sure. But I got the announcement by happen chance someone found me through that wonderful thing called Facebook and invited me. It was gonna be held at a nice little place that was owned by a guy named Jimmy Hester. I smiled when I saw his name and it was his phone number I had to call to RSVP. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you're coming, Sheila. It's been years and I, I so remember you're so important to my life, I can't wait to share with you. I was astonished by that, that was not what I expected. And I arrived early so I could leave early. And when I got to the door, there was Jimmy. Now, had he not said his name, I would not have known who he was. He was now bald-headed and he looked older. I knew I hadn't changed that much. <laughs> but since there were really only six African-Americans in our class, he pretty much could guess who I was. And he came up and he hugged me tight and he said, thank you for being here. I've so wanted to tell you how much I appreciated your friendship and how much I wish you'd been at so many of these other things. And he told me about his life, that it was a hard life. Alcoholism dropped in and one marriage and then another. But he found himself in a good and safe and sober place. We sat at the table, he introduced me to his wife he reminded people, and people came and talked to me, and I really wasn't as awful as I thought I had been. And I told him the story that I tell. And he said, Sheila, I don't remember doing that. But I'm certain I did, because my family was very racist. And I'm sorry. And I can't believe that you would remember that and have stood up for me. I never forgot. I went to Noel and I told her I was sorry and she looked at me and said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm glad that you're here. And I thanked her for being a good friend. And I realized Sometimes forgiveness can change a lifetime. If you'd like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org. We will find a list of upcoming shows, submission and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.